0: We are going to get into the Word. I'm going to preach a message. And then we are going to baptize a whole bunch of people. Who came for their family member getting baptized or a friend getting baptized this morning? Yeah, big warm welcome to you. So good. But on Friday, we looked at the cross because this whole journey started with the cross. And I explained and went into a bit of graphic detail on Friday about what the cross was and the torturous device that it was. So I apologize if I gave anybody nightmares, but it's nothing compared to what you would have seen in the movie, The Passion, which I heard some of our young teenage girls went and watched on Friday afternoon. Isn't that right, Yolani? That's right. So the cross wasn't a pleasant, this is not a nice story. It's not a, oh, that's lovely. It's not, it's not like the Easter bunny. I'm going, oh, that's, that's lovely. It's soft and warm and fuzzy. No, this was a horror story. Yeah. It was um, a sacrifice. It was something that was so torturous and, and so devastating. And I want to I focus on that. But the cross, it started with the cross, which leads us to a crossroads. A crossroads is a decision that we need to make to then start a crosswalk, a walk with Jesus Christ, that walk where it says, pick up your cross And follow me, which leads us to cross over into brand new life and discover that our sins have been crossed out. Amen? So that's where we were on Friday. And in that moment, in that time when Jesus hung on that cross and he breathed his last, that moment in time changed everything forever. It wasn't something that was just like, oh, yeah, that was just another nice moment. No, this moment changed everything. It changed history. Yeah. No longer were people required to go and provide the own sacrifice to actually atone for their own sins. Jesus did it all at once in that moment Amen. on the cross. Amen. And it was a painful thing. It changed the world. A breath taken, a curtain was torn, an earth was shaken, and our eternity was secured in Him. It's what happened when Jesus breathed His last. He died for us for our sins to pay the price that we could not pay for ourselves he paid that price but there's there's another term that Jesus said just before he breathed his last and that is this word tetelestai can you say that with me tetelestai and it means it is finished it is finished the work was done it is finished. All of our salvation is in that moment right there when Jesus Amen. breathed his last. He said, it is finished. But you know this word also means something else as well. Not just it is finished, but it means paid in full. Our sins, our debt that we could never pay ourselves, we couldn't compensate for it, we couldn't stand there and go, "Well, the sentence was served, paid in full. We could never have had the time to pay the sentence. We were never up for it. But Jesus paid what we couldn't pay. There's something I forgot to do right here, and I think I've gotten into preacher mode too quickly, so let's take a breather for a second. (laughs) Everyone go. All right, now I'm going to see if anyone remembers what we did on Friday. Christos Christos and Esti. Greg wasn't paying attention. Is there anyone with Greek heritage in the room? Oh yes. Okay. When I say "Christos anesti," you say "Alithos anesti," and you've got to do it with a Greek accent. That's okay. "Christos anesti" simply means that He is risen. Amen. Who can celebrate that today? All right. But today in church on Sunday, it's Sunday. Sunday, not the Friday where we we remember the sacrifice. This is the Sunday where everything changed again. There was two moments in time, one that changed the world forever when Jesus stretched his arms and breathed his last, but something else changed the world forever. And it's found in this book, a book of Matthew, chapter 28, and we're going to read together. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. If your screen is glowing, that's okay. Just open your Bible. It's going to be up on the screen here as well. Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other Mary. I mean, how would you be if you're known in the Bible as the other Mary? I'm like going, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. It's like in the book of John where John writes about Peter and then the disciple that Jesus loved, right? Which was John. He's writing about himself. Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. He's talking it up. But the other Mary. And they went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, "'Do not be afraid, "'for I know that you are looking for Jesus,' Who was crucified, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. There's a message in that right there. I'll preach that next week. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid. Yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Imagine someone that you knew and loved that was close to you that had died and you were distraught, devastated. You were walking along the road, confused, not knowing what was going on. And then suddenly they, greetings, surprise, I'm here. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The tomb is now empty. The stone has been rolled away. The cloth is laying there. He is not there. It is empty. It is not. So it is finished. Tetelestai, it is finished. But now it's finished again. It's finished again. The work was done. But imagine the excitement for this group of people. And I need to explain to you who this group of people were for you to really understand why they would have been so excited. This was not just a group of people who showed up to a conference and saw a guest speaker and then that guest speaker died. This wasn't just somebody that they had been watching on YouTube and then going, oh, they're really good. They've got good doctrine and theology. I'm just going to listen to them, and then that person dies. And This was not the same situation. This Jesus was the one who came along the shoreline while they were fishing and grabbed them and said, come and follow me. They became so much more than just mere disciples. They became family. This was so close together. They, they had a really close relationship. It wasn't like someone that they knew from afar. It wasn't like they just rocked up to the feeding of the 5,000 and were a part of the crowd. No, this wasn't the crowd. This was the core. These were the people who did everyday life with Jesus. They walked together with Jesus. They ate together with Jesus. They spent their three and a half years of their life with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, so he's taken away from them. They're devastated. This is, not, this is not a distant relationship. Like we see somebody who's like, I see a famous movie star that we actually like their movies and then they pass away and everyone's so sad and they put flowers out at the gates. No, this wasn't like that. This was so close. This is like the closest family member. They loved Jesus. They loved him. Then they had lost absolutely everything. Everything. They were distraught, but imagine the feeling of being so distraught, so despondent, head down, walking along in the dust, and then going to the tomb and going, "Hang on, something's going on over there. There's a bit of an earthquake happening. Did that stone move? Did it? Did it roll? What's going on?" And rocking up to the tomb and going, "He's not there. It's not. What's going on?" You would have gone from being distraught to really confused, but then. <laughs> When you actually saw Jesus and he met them, imagine the excitement. Imagine the excitement for you if you met with Jesus for the very first. time. you're going, oh, you've risen from the dead. I believe I can see it with my own eyes. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 6 says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried... That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. Jesus had, through all of his time, said, with all of his time with them, said, "I am going to tear this temple down, and I'm going to raise it in three days. Hey, I am going to be gone. I am going to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to die." And people are like, "No, you're not, Jesus." Don't, don't stop speaking that heresy that's not that's not we're going to happen we're not going to but they failed to see and listen so when Jesus actually came back from the dead they were surprised because they'd forgotten all the lessons all the way along that Jesus said I am going to rise again I rise again in 3 days why is it 3 days why is 3 days so significant there is an importance in understanding the 3 days that Jesus was dead because Three days was the time limit that the Jewish people believed that the soul had left the body. That was the time. And for it to be a real miracle, they had to be dead at least three days. Otherwise, it might have been maybe they were just unconscious or maybe they weren't really dead in the first place. Maybe it was just some kind of trick, but no trick. Jesus was dead for three days and then rose from the dead. Those three days are significant in other ways as well. Jesus died on a Friday, which in the Jewish calendar is named Nisan 14. When the Pas- that was the day that the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Coincidence? I think not. The Passover lamb, the lamb of God, the clean and blameless and spotless lamb was sacrificed for our sins on the day that the Jewish people celebrated the Passover, which was when God rescued them from the Egyptians. That was the day that the Passover lamb was sacrificed. His death represents the death of a perfect, unblemished sacrifice on our behalf. But his resurrection took part on the first day of the week, which signifies a new beginning, a new creation, a new life in Jesus Christ. So there's significance to those three days, but what happened in those three days? See... I'd like to know what was going on behind the tomb, behind the stone. I'd love to have, you know, how we have little cameras everywhere, and yes, we've got some extra cameras up for the baptism, so everybody's in the room is going to be able to see everything. You can be able to see from there, You get to see on the screen. You'll be able to, you'll be able to see. But wouldn't you love to have had a little spy camera in the tomb, just to like on, oh, let's rewind, let's, let's watch that again. Little CCTV footage hidden in that tomb. What's going on? How's it? How's it all happening? Does anyone think like this? And I go, how does that happen? Like, I would like to know if there's an angel that's already in there waiting for Jesus when he is brought in, and then Jesus, after they close the tomb, Jesus sits up, and they end up, you know, they just have a good old chat. Does anyone think like this? I'm like, when did he actually rise from the dead? What was when was the time frame? I don't know. And it's failure for me to actually speculate. But what I know is that there was Jesus' dead body put in a tomb with a stone in front of it. And on the third day when they came, this earthquake happens and the stones rolled away. And there is Jesus missing. He's missing. But what happened in those three days? Ephesians 4, 8 to 10 gives us a little bit of a glimpse. And this is what it says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I believe that Jesus died, but while his earthly body was dead, he descended, defeated hell and death once and for all, stole the keys to the gates of hell and and rose up in victory. Revelations 1, 17 to 18 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Amen. He holds the victory. See, Something that happened in those three days when Jesus was working. You might not see it, but he's working. We couldn't see it, but we know that his earthly body was dead, but his spiritual body was very much in a battle, in a warfare for our behalf to come back from the dead to rise again. And he is now seated in heavenly places, lifted above. He's exalted the scripture. This scripture explains how he being in all facets like God or God made himself low like us. Philippians 2, chapter 5. And it says here, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that scripture fills me with hope. That scripture fills me with fire. He was God. and I explained this on Friday. He was 100% God, 100% man and he stretched his arms wide to pay the price that nobody else could ever pay. This act of love will never ever be matched in the history of the world. You know what? There's all these different people talking about what love is and what love could be and what love is love but I'm telling you right now that nothing will ever match the gift of love that happened at Easter when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It is the greatest love. This cross is His heart. You might have seen on a lot of our advertising and our flyers that went out and in, into neighbors' letterboxes and, and in, the, in the newspaper. The cross, His heart. The cross is His heart for you. This cross is His heart for you. We couldn't get out of this predicament that we found ourselves in by ourselves. Humanity. Trapped. In an endless cycle of sin and shame, forgiven in a moment on a cross. But it didn't stop there. There was more to come. A mighty warrior, a champion, a savior king ripping the locked gates of hell off their foundations, snatching the keys of death and hell, and rising victorious from the grave. This is what Easter is all about. You know, the resurrection was the culmination of the work on the cross. You can't separate the two of these things. The sacrifice on Friday was the beginning of a work so great, so powerful, so wonderful that when Jesus died, it says that graves split open and many who were already dead rose again and appeared to many. So in Jesus' death, the power in that was so incredible that people who were already dead rose. But imagine the power when on the third day, Jesus rose again and that curtain that separated the normal people from that holy place in the temple, the everyday people like you and me who had no access into that throne room of grace, into what they called the holy of holies, that curtain was about three inches thick and it tore into, if you've ever tried to rip a cloth, like grab a tea towel and try and just tear it, but then try and grab like, 30 tea towels, and try and tear those. This was an act of God that separated and opened up the way for us to have relationship with Him again. But I would say when Jesus died, the work was done. But you can't separate these two things. Without the cross, there could be no resurrection. And without the resurrection, there is no victory. And this is what we celebrate when we go through the waters of baptism. All right. Today, oh my gosh, is Resurrection Sunday, and we've got about 20 people in this room who are going to get baptized this morning. We're celebrating with them, and this is what we symbolize when we we go about this waters of baptism. I want to explain a bit about what we're going to do. Easter is about the resurrection. I can't think of a better way for us to celebrate. When you pass into the water... When you go down, we believe in the full immersion. We're going to put everybody's whole body down into the water. We've got a pool back here in case nobody noticed. It was just sort of sitting over there in the corner. But when you pass into the water, it symbolizes us putting our old nature, our sinful nature down into that water. It symbolizes that putting that sinful nature to death, our old way of living to death and burying it with Christ. And then when we rise up out of the water, it symbolizes us actually rising again as new creations in Jesus. It's an act of obedience, but it's also an act of boldness. The Bible teaches us that we should repent from our sins and be baptized, to repent and be baptized. But it's just like Jesus was obedient. We need to be obedient as well. But it's also a step of boldness. We've got all of these people, 20 people, who are going to stand up here and declare their faith in Jesus and go through the waters of baptism in front of everybody in this room, everybody who is out in our um, our overflow. Thank you for prompting. Out in our overflow, everyone who's in our nil location. We're not afraid. We're actually declaring that I am going to follow Jesus. It's a step of boldness. It's a public declaration of a private confession. It's a public declaration. But there's something else that we believe about baptism. And this is, I wanted to read to you what our, our movement, our church is a part of a movement of churches called the Australian Christian Churches. And this is our doctrinal statement around the water baptism. It says, We believe in water baptism by a single immersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a public declaration of a person's faith in and identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How awesome is it that we get to do this on Resurrection Sunday? I'm beyond overwhelmed. I'm beyond excited. And I'm so happy for all of the people who are about to do this. But we believe that when we descend, symbolizes putting ourselves to death and rising as a new creation. I remember growing up, in a church in Townsville and we would do baptisms and people would wear white robes. We're glad we don't do that anymore. And they would walk across the platform and they would walk into the baptismal font, not a pool, it's a font. And they would walk into that that font and they would be baptized. And every time someone came up out of the water, the band would sing, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I'm born again. Yeah, okay, we better stop there. All right. So team, no pressure. But it symbolizes us being made a new creation in Jesus Christ. We come up out of those waters and we are born again, new creations, and we have the opportunity and ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're baptizing people in a few moments. But before we do that, I wanted to remind everybody what this day is all about. Jesus died, but he rose again. The cross was painful, but the tomb is empty. This is the moment that changed everything. The cross equals forgiveness, but an empty tomb equals a life of victory. This whole picture together means that we can now live together with him in eternity. I wanted to draw your script draw your attention to the scripture that Rachel read before for the offerings, for the offerings, for the tithe and offering. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news of the gospel, is that anybody can receive it. Anybody who can, see, can receive it. That says there that word, whoever, in some versions it says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I want to give people within the sound of my voice an opportunity right now to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. That means none of us can actually get out of that situation by ourselves. It also says that the punishment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So I want to give an opportunity for anyone who wants to respond. So what we're going to do right now, and I want you to understand this, because I know for some people cameras are new and you're a bit awkward. The cameras are focused only on me. They can't see you. They can't see your hand. Everybody else in the room is going to bow their head. They're going to close their eyes. And I'm going to invite everybody who would like to accept Jesus as their personal Savior just to simply raise their hand. And I want to be able to pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. Fantastic. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else who would like to join with these people? I'm going to pray in just a moment in a prayer leading you into a life with Jesus. Is there anybody else who would like to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Amen. I see that hand. That's amazing. That's amazing. Out in our overflow, Um, why don't you, just as a symbol, I can't see you, but why don't you just raise your hand also? No one else out there is looking around up in nil, the same thing happening. If there's anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice, why don't you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray in just a moment. That's beautiful. Beautiful seeing so many hands be raised, people accepting Jesus. That's great. Why don't we say this prayer together? This is family. This is family. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart and give me a brand new start. I'm sorry for all of my mistakes and all of my sin. And I thank you that you have crossed it out. You have wiped the slate clean. You have forgiven me. And now today, this Resurrection Sunday, I choose to follow you with my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen.